welcome to India's first pet podcast, Petonomics, brought to you by Epilog Media. I'm your host, Isha, and today we have Namrita Rao with us. She is here to tell us everything we need to know about transporting your pets and traveling with them. Welcome to Petonomics, Namrita. Thank you, Isha. So you can just like give a little introduction about how long you've been a dog trainer and uh, why you are so aware about transporting and traveling with dogs. Sure. I've been a dog trainer and behaviorist for about five years now. And one of the reasons I am uh, very interested in pet travel and encourage it is because I've had to uh, move with my dog a fair amount the last few years. I'm from Bombay. I had to move to Delhi, come back to Bombay for work. So I've done a lot of back and forth. And <laughs> fortunately or unfortunately, I've had to, you know, experience road travel, train travel with the dog. So, yeah, I'm happy to share my experiences. So have you had pets in as a child? Uh, no, I didn't have any pets as a child, but I have a five-year-old golden retriever now. She's nearly six, actually. So I've been trying to ensure she moves with me wherever I go. And I've been pretty successful in the past few years. So hoping I can keep on, yeah. you know, traveling with her. And that's something that we've discussed in previous episodes in part is the reason a lot of dogs get abandoned mm-hmm. is because people aren't able to take them along if they have a new job overseas if they're moving cities and like you just said I mean you try to take your dog where you go and you've done that successfully so far so while it may be difficult and there aren't Mm -hmm. a lot of sources available it's possible so what are the main modes of transport we're going to cover today sure yeah it is possible Um, you can take your dog by train you can fly them There's a couple airlines in India and, you know, a bunch of international airlines that allow you to do that. And you can try with your dog. And we'll also be covering cats in part because Mm -hmm. uh, I think they are a little easier to transport on certain level, on a certain level, maybe easier to because of size. I think just because of size, it's easier to store them more uh, accurately. Right. Uh, Cats are smaller, guinea pigs, rabbits, birds, you know, easier. They can, you know, probably just fit into a smaller crate. But yeah, they can very easily be transported as well. Yeah. So uh, we're going to cover road, rail and air. So traveling in India, what do you think are the factors that make it so hard? I think there's not enough information or official guidance on it, be it from the IRCTC or be it from specific airlines because they tend to have different rules. Uh, So I think navigating that is challenging. Um, However, the more you reach out to the specific, you know, modes of airlines or even hotels on your road trip, the more information you get. And I think it does help clarify. I think there is information out there. The challenge is finding it. And then, of course, broadcasting it and ensuring other pet parents know that these are options tried and tested. So, yeah. And that's kind of strange because India is more and more becoming a place where a dog or a cat that's a part of the traditional family structure now having a pet is ideal almost Mm -hmm. that that's what completes you know the the ideal family or the the perfect family but the institutes surrounding or the institutes within the country themselves haven't adjusted to that I mean how do you buy a train ticket for your dog you know that's no one just has that information ready on their head even if they've had pets for years so Coming to the different transport modes, what are some basic behaviors across all of them, across, you know, road, rail and air that the pet parent needs to have and that the dog needs to or the cat needs to be trained for? 
I think the first and most obvious characteristic of your animal it is that it needs to be social. It needs to be okay with people, and ideally, more than just tolerate them, they need to enjoy people's company. Because if you are traveling by train, you will be two to four people in a very very tiny box for up to twelve hours, and your dog needs to be okay with that. If you are traveling by air, uh, your animal needs to be okay with. perhaps airline staff handling the crate you know you are not with the animal when you travel 24/7 especially in a flight so there may be other people in and out or in the animal's vicinity and they need to be okay with that the minute you have a dog who doesn't like or doesn't trust or is reactive towards other humans it is very very challenging to transport them and it is very stressful to the owner to have to do that so a lot comes down to when you are when you bring your puppy or your kitten or your baby animal home just ensuring that they are exposed to a lot of different people a lot of different environments a lot of different stimulation and they enjoy it so they grow to realize that new experiences are not necessarily scary or bad and another part that's really essential to at least rail and air travel can be crates mm-hmm. how can you make sure that your pets okay with being in a crate for extended periods of time The best way to go about this would be to plan at least two months in advance. It is unfair and not at all a pleasant experience if the day you have to travel, you put your animal in a crate, lock them up, and travel. It's just, it's not a good experience. There are many strategies you can use to get your dog used to, you get your dog or your cat or your animal used to a confined space like a crate, um, from making it, you know, having toys there, maybe giving treats, keeping them. in for shorter periods of time and then increasing the time gradually there's many strategies you can employ it does take time and planning ahead is the best way to ensure it's a comfortable journey for you and your animal so just exposing your pet to that crate just making sure that they're comfortable in it over time right is the way to go yeah. so another thing we will discuss this more when we speak about air travel specifically but crates need to be approved right there are certain types and sizes of crates that are the only ones allowed yes for airlines there are there's a very specific it's an iata carrier that needs to be used um different breeds may need different sized crates depending on the airline so which goes back to what i was saying that there are different rules and you just need to find out for example some international travel dogs that are bigger in size or dogs that are snub nosed in face like the boxers or the pugs either they might not be allowed to travel or they may need a larger crate so it's very dependent on your your the country where you are or the country airport and city where you are leaving from where you are going the rules in both the places and the airline yeah so that's something that no matter which country you're from is going to take a lot of research individual research based on your pet based on where you're taking them what airlines you're using yeah um and it would be nice if there was one place you could go to get all that information but at the moment i haven't come across any such portal there are companies that do like help you relocate with your dogs professionally so they may be a good resource and would be up to date with all the information but you would still have to do you know a lot of calls maybe meetings to like figure out what the best option is for you and your pet okay so the most common mode of transport or traveling for pets is the road typically in a car and that's something that you're not just always relocating sometimes it can be to just to go to the vet sometimes it can be to go to someone's house to the beach 
So can you tell us some precautions that one may need to take when it comes to traveling by road? What are some things that are bound to happen with your cat or dog? Very often, uh, puppies and kittens are exposed to cars only as uh, a vehicle that takes them to the vet. So they may not enjoy car travel initially. And what is you know recommended is that you take your animal to through to you take your animal on fun car trips. So maybe to a park or like a friend's home, depending on your animal. But some of the other precautions you can take is if you're going on a longer route, I definitely recommend. Uh, get a fit to travel uh, certificate or a vet check definitely map your route out so you know that you have pet friendly options on the way and make sure you stop frequently enough so that your animal gets you know better breath of fresh air if it's a dog you could do a short walk and a lot of water i also don't recommend that you feed a heavy meal just before you drive just because you don't want any vomiting or nausea Keep yeah. a light meal. And and just like us, I mean, they can get car sick, especially yes. sitting on the back seat. That's kind of where you get the worst of it. Yeah. And I think some other essentials, like traveling with my dog, I realized is that he doesn't have hands and legs to brace himself for mm. a break, like a basic, not scary break, you know, like, so it's really important to have like a doggy belt, a harness. Yes. And... So, I mean, a harness, I would say, because I don't want my dog's neck being pulled when we break. I'd rather it be his chest. Right. So, there's a there's a doggy belt that plug, uh, plugs into your car seat belt. So, that ensures it's not just the neck that's being pulled or pushed. Other than that, also just a, a simple collar with a name tag, regardless of your mode of transportation, will help in yeah. case of any, you know, inadvertent. Yeah. And with cats, like, what I've noticed with my cat I mean they tra- travel together so my cat likes to get under seats so you mm-hmm. should definitely do something to block that because then if you move your seat front or he- back or if anything it's just not a safe place for your cat to be absolutely yeah so what I do is I just leave my cat carrier open on the floor mm-hmm. and then he usually goes and sits under there or he'll sit on someone's lap so it's it's important to make sure that your cat doesn't get into like little crevices too correct correct um, sometimes it's smaller animals, it's all, it might also be in their best interest to be in a crate that fits into your car just for everyone's safety, including theirs. So what are some things that you can do to make sure that once your dog has, because a lot of people, especially in Mumbai, take their dogs on day trips. Mm-hmm. You take them to hill stations and typically they're just left on their own devices, you know, just run around. Let's go mm-hmm. to the beach mm-hmm. again, just running around free. And sometimes that's not the safest option. Will he or she respond to my uh, commands? So what are some yeah. things you can do to make sure that once you are at your destination, your dog's responsive? I mean, I doubt you're going to leave your cat on the beach, but <laughs> <laughs> with your dog. So no. I think for me, it was just making sure that he learned the come command like properly. Like yes. it was drilled into him. Yes. The, the recall command is the most important command your dog can know. Of course, in addition to their name. They need to know their name. Apart from that, if you are going, um, say, to the beach or to a waterfall or going trekking, one way, uh, one safe way that, you know, your dog enjoys their freedom and you, you know, are feel comfortable with them is to get a long line. So you get a 20-foot line or a 50-foot line on Amazon, depending on your space. That way you have some control over them. Um, and that way you also can practice your recall command safely. So the next time, you may be able to go off-leash, depending again on the location. Yeah, and you always get like little 
like beacon collars and you all mm-hmm. and and especially near uh, like bodies of water is always a good idea to just get a little like um, life vest for your dog. I mean they come pretty cheap online, so and they're like bright orange, so you won't you know not spot them. That's and, true. Yeah, um, so that's kind of the easiest way to transport your dogs anywhere. Road is the easiest way. Yeah, I don't drive, so not for me. <laughs> okay, so now we can move on to rail. Mm-hmm. I think rail should feel like the easiest way. I mean, you basically get a room or a couple of beds to yourself. But from what I've heard, it's that's not the case. Uh, no, for me, it seems like some kind of obstacle course. <laughs> Train travel. I've done so much of it, but it. uh only gets easier mentally not actually doing it for some reason so dogs are allowed on all trains either in the brake van which is these cages all the way at the end of the train or in first class ac compartment so i would recommend if you have the resources to go with the first class ac just cuz then you'll be with the dog and i've you know i've known of instances where the brake van cages the doors aren't locked properly and uh you know a lot of scope for uh, uh transmission of infection so just if you are able to please uh go with first class ac the compartment has two person coupes or four person cabins so once you is again recommended that you book two or four so that you can get your you know no other passenger would be in with you to complain because if a passenger complains you will be asked to um deboard once you get confirmed tick ac first class tickets you just wait and then two days before your train travel you go to the biggest uh, station or you know the railway office in your city and request that your seats be given together because at the time of booking you don't know where you'll be placed in the compartment so that that's a bit stressful because it's only 2 hours before the train journey that your the seating chart is prepared and that's that's when you know if you have your seats together because if you have your seats together the parcel office will issue a ticket to your dog and that's when you can board the train with your dog so essentially you know despite having your confirmed tickets despite putting in a request to be seated together it's only 2 to 3 hours before your train ride that you can you know you're assured the travel with your dog in the train that's why i said it feels like a bit of an obstacle course uh, but i've done it a few times and it has worked out thankfully and what are some unexpected obstacles that you've run into while transporting your pets I was on a train uh, once with my dog from Bombay to Delhi and there were riots there were Gujar riots in Rajasthan so the train was rerouted through Madhya Pradesh and we didn't know until we got on it so what was supposed to be say a 16 hour journey became a 24 hour journey and that was very um stressful for us because uh well one you know you that's a long time to be cooped up in a tiny compartment in the train for your dog our second biggest concern was peeing and pooping because you you know you have at most 10 minutes at a stop to jump out hope your dog you know finds a spot and pees and then jumps back in with a cat i assume it may be easier depending on their toileting preferences and um, you know but and again with small animals like guinea pig and birds like that is easy because they they have their little crate but with a dog it was challenging and when it was a longer train ride we didn't know how long each stop was we didn't know when the next stop was so it was a bit stressful we had um, someone in the next compartment offered to pull the chain in case we were stuck on the platform waiting for my dog to pee 
Okay, so that's actually pretty helpful. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Thankfully, we all managed fine. So, is it more or less the same for cats? Are they also supposed to either be in the break van or in the compartment with you? Yes, but right. it needs to be first class. Okay, so second, yeah. yeah. So if you're traveling with a cat, I mean, I don't think a cat could handle being in a break van at all. I just think it's They're, really, really stressful yeah. for the animal. Yeah, and cats especially cannot deal with things like that. They can't even like even moving to a different house can be a very stressful experience for them. Yes. So that is something like I think it would be a bit harder just because your cat might not be able to deal with it uh, when it comes to transporting it by is, rail. Yeah, it is very stressful, and also with regards to uh, you know peeing and pooping when uh, at least the dog is uh, with animals that's really, really stressed. you know those functions shut down so your dog for example might not pee the first time i took a train journey my dog didn't pee for 19 hours she's gotten better about that now but it was stressful for me to be like she isn't peeing like 19 hours yeah and that puts a quite a lot on their <laughs> bladder but right yeah uh you can't really help it at that point so next is airlines would you consider that the hardest way to transport your pet or is it at least in terms of the policies available to you is it is it easier to navigate it it actually is i mean all airlines have their policies online so it, in a way it is easier to navigate that in india we just have air india and spicejet so your options are limited your phone calls and research gathering activities are you know perhaps shorter and not all uh, flights or all planes that they have accommodate pets so sometimes you can book a flight and then that specific flight may not allow pets right your the specific flight needs to have the cargo capabilities to allow a live animal in so that's another challenge certain airlines have certain um breed restrictions like i mentioned snub nosed dogs either not allowed or if it's an perhaps in the international airlines need a larger crate so uh there are two types of transport really when it comes to airline there's domestic mm -hmm. and then there's international have you had experience with either of those i have helped uh, some of my clients fly their dogs domestic but not international okay so what is the is the process different for either of the, for both of them or is it more or less the same just getting the airlines policies making sure that everything's in order with your crate with your pet international travel is a bit more challenging because you are navigating the laws of two different countries very often this could involve um special vaccinations a quarantine period additional certifications needed and definitely higher cost yeah and i think uh with countries like the us and canada you need to get your dog microchipped mm -hmm. and that microchip is different from the ones that are required by european countries so right. if you want to take your dog to europe you might have to do something else and just like get a new microchip put in or i don't know what but and uh so yeah they have different rules than european countries so Uh, and they also require a dog to be neutered yes. or spayed, which is if you haven't done that, then yeah, and it is quite a controversial topic. So. Yeah. So let's say, uh, how is uh, traveling domestically like? Like you said, there's only two airlines that are available. Mm -hmm. So what is the process like, starting from getting the ticket, mm -hmm. how you do get the ticket, and then getting your dog through the airport? Right. So the animal's ticket is issued at the cargo a few hours before the flight. uh so you assuming you're traveling on the same flight you need to go to cargo check the dog's weight or check the animal's weight you know complete the necessary paperwork and payment check them in and then run to the airport to board the same flight it's sometimes challenging doing it as one person if you have friends or family to help you that that is you know that is easier 
you can't be at two places at once <laughs> once you know you know that the airline allows an animal it's it's pretty straightforward but the stressful part about airline travel is getting your animal used to a crate and when it comes to dogs like it's always it does take a while um of course you know you have medication that can help not sedative sedatives aren't allowed at all they in fact increase the sensation in the flight and can cause some health issues some vets do prescribe anti anxiety pills to help with uh being in the in the crate and you know traveling on a flight again it's not a silver bullet um perhaps it can help but i i do i what i prefer you spend your resources on is ensuring your animal is used to the crate and how do you deal with things like again pooping and peeing do you know if dogs are allowed if you're allowed to walk your dog uh during transit hours for international flights um yes you are allowed depending again on the airport and airline you are allowed to walk them uh domestic i don't think there are guidelines given out so it depends on what you can do with the airline and the airport okay and something that i've noticed about uh international travel i think we can move on to that is that the airlines that you are flying by and the country which it's based in is usually indicative of um how well your dogs or cats going to be transported like if that airlines is coming from a country that's very pro pets like lufthansa for example then you can have a lot of other amenities like i believe they have this system where they can photograph any pictures of your dogs sorry a picture of your dog like arriving at transit your picture <laughs> a picture of your dog like in the crate a picture of your dog in cargo just so that you feel a little better about it lufthansa and the frankfurt airport are one of you know highly 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 recommended for international pet travel i think the frankfurt airports like pet relief area is one of the best um, that yeah. at least i have seen so even if you're flying to like a country that isn't a country that's you know very pro dog check out the airlines from countries that do go there and check out their policies because just because you're fr- flying to america doesn't mean you need to use an american airlines i i would agree yeah um, also if you were going somewhere in europe perhaps you could get a better vetted airline to somewhere in europe and then take the train because dogs are allowed in a lot more public spaces and a lot more public means of transportation in that continent <laughs> sorry no by by the way air india can the uk doesn't accept animals from air india so you can't use air india to relocate to the uk <laughs> wow if you if you want to transport your dog yeah i mean it's a it's a it's kind of scary knowing that kind of scary. the one airline that's been doing this for so long i mean i think jet airways used to do that but that's not an yeah. option anymore yeah. again uh, rules might change so always best to you know read what's there online and do like a phone follow up if you know anyone who has used specific services or airlines or even rctc always best to talk to them and when it comes to things like the long flight hours what are, what is something that you should do beforehand should you feed your dog beforehand because it's going to be a long time or should is are they better off empty stomach a light meal is fine uh, what i uh, would suggest is also you know exercise them you know play, maybe play some games you know tire them out mentally and physically before they have to be in a crate for a, for a very very long time all right and also something that i think a lot of people may not be that aware of is that in some cases your pets are allowed in the cabin mm-hmm. uh all therapy and service dogs are allowed in the cabin so if you have the proper mm-hmm. certificates you can get that and the other case where if your entire 
pet and its crate is below a certain weight, you're right. allowed to take that pet into the cabin just because it's below a certain weight, including the crate. So could you tell us which airlines or if you have any information about sure. what those uh, sure. weights are? Um, it's up to five to eight kilos, including the dog and the crate, depending on the airline. Or the you, cat and the crate. The yeah. cat and the crate. <laughs> in, in you can take them with you. And guide dogs and service dogs are allowed in the flight with you. Um, although some airlines, for example, Lufthansa needs you to have a certificate from a recognized training institute. And I don't know what qualifies as a oh, recognized training institute. Yeah, because I don't think there is one in <laughs> India at least. I, I Yeah. Yeah. I mean, who's certifying them? Right. <laughs> who's recognizing them? I have no idea. Right. And does it does it qualify for the criteria that Lufthansa has, okay. for example? And different airlines, again, will have different rules. So something that is, I think, in rail and air common is people maybe like hurdles, which aren't actually a part of the airline policies. Sometimes there can be unhelpful workers who may be forcing you to do something a certain way when that's mm-hmm. not necessary, when that's not even in the policy of that airlines or in that rail system. Mm -hmm. So have you ever experienced something where there have just been unhelpful people trying to kind of take your plan off off its rails? A few times. When I said earlier, it's recommended you buy two or four tickets in your train just so that you get that coupe or compartment to you. But if you are three people with four seats or two people with four seats, sometimes the TC can, um, you know, create a fuss. I understand because there are people wanting to travel, but also at the same time, you don't want them to take offense to your pet. So it it does get tricky. Um, Again, for airlines, if the staff isn't prompt about loading your animal in at the very last moment and prompt about ensuring they come out as soon as they can, it it just creates more stress for the animal and the owner who's just like waiting for the animal to come out. So is there any way that we can circumvent those issues? Not really. Well, you can bring it up officially, but that was always that would always be after, after. the experience. Uh, I think in the moment, it's just best to keep in touch with the staff that's on ground and keep reminding them that, you know, you have a pet, like, please ensure they get priority or just, like, please adjust this dog or cat is, you know, we take responsibility, so... And I think being nice about it too is important. Absolutely. Because sometimes if you just go in with, like, a brash attitude, they may not be as... Uh, ego to help absolutely and they're just doing their job right you just have to respect them and their time and also try to ensure that they understand why it's really important to you that your pet comes out safely yeah and you should also know what is and isn't allowed for your pet like if someone if your pet's in the cabin and someone's like put her or him up in oh, the overhead, overhead cabin. cabins don't do yeah. that don't like do, do that. not do that even if like the head steward or stewardess comes up to you and like demands it like then you demand to speak to the pilot because that is that is yeah. definitely not some that has that is something that has led to like pet injuries and deaths in some cases that I've read about internationally. So if you are asked to do that, don't right. do that. Right. Just make sure that whoever is speaking to you, you try and speak to someone above them. Absolutely. And make sure that your pet's safe because at the end of the day, like there is no yeah. good reason for your pet to be in an overhead cabin. Yeah, try your best to make the environment and experience the safest for your pet and for yourself. So I think we've covered everything now. Is there anything that we need to go over again or uh, if you think we've skipped something? One thing that has come up a lot is if your your pet needs to be muzzled, especially in the case of a dog. Um, 
is always recommended that you carry one in case someone expects you to muzzle them. You don't have to muzzle them once they're in the crate, say in a flight. But sometimes it may help to have one in case, especially in the train or on the road or if, say, you're staying at some hotel, just if you have to walk them out in public, just if your dog is used to it, if someone takes offense, you can just say, look, it's safe, don't worry. I have the lead, I have the collar, I have the muzzle if you need. So just ensuring uh, the the safety and comfort of others as well because the more people see you travel with your dogs and say, hey, this was, you know, this was fine. They did a good job. The pet was, you know, friendly or didn't bother me. The more acceptance we have for traveling with your pets, regardless of the means of travel. And some other like little points that we can't really get too specific about is because every country is different, every airline is different, is that some countries will quarantine your pet for a certain amount of time. Yes. So you need to make sure that your dog's going to be okay with just being in a quarantine area for yeah. either, it can go up to like two months in some countries, I believe. It can. And think of it, if you have to travel with your dog and you don't want to leave them behind and that's the only way, do it. One thing that you can plan for in advance is ensuring the dog is okay or your cat's okay being alone for several hours in the day, right? And if you can, and just think of it as, I mean, maybe if you were to travel for several weeks and someone was taking care of your dog, which does happen very often, it's like that. Yeah, I mean, you shouldn't be too concerned about it, but you should just be aware. Right, and you should know the facilities involved in the quarantine area of the country you're traveling to. Sometimes it may be even better than some of the facilities we have here. (laughs) so uh, just keep an open mind about it because it is better that you see that process through sometimes rather than leave your pet behind yeah and also again based on your breed some countries may straight up not allow your dog yes unfortunately there are certain breed bands or you know words like dangerous dogs and all of these classifications it is very very unfortunate that we have to classify dogs like this uh, but these are the rules that you have to comply by um, for India or at least traveling from India within India or within from India to other countries a bigger concern would be snub-nosed dogs or brachycephalic dogs like pugs French bulldogs boxers even just dogs with a very uh, with the nose like inside yeah. and they, same with cats even Persian cats, cats right. for example uh, it, breathing is hard for them so it's kind of for their own safety too exactly. to a certain extent exactly because I mean oxygen levels can be low or the air pressure changes can Uh, harm them potentially right so if you do you know foresee traveling between countries in the next five years or so don't get a dog with a snub nose yeah or perhaps just put off getting a pet until you've reached the destination where you plan to be for a longer period of time agreed yeah oh wait or you just get a really old senior dog yeah just (laughs) just get get, it yeah have that (laughs) there's all kinds of dogs to choose from so get one that matches your lifestyle can you just give us a little list of dogs that are typically on these like dangerous lists and maybe like a concern to travel with for other countries yeah there are some bully types the doggo argentino a lot of these dogs are just big dogs bred for fighting or like originally bred for hunting boars for example we yeah don't see many of those dogs in India at least at the moment or at least people needing to fly with them okay yeah train travel is still okay there's no breed restriction um, for dogs or cats when you travel by train. Yeah, I think that's one like perk of being in India is that we don't really have like we're not really that comprehensive about pets mm-hmm. 
but that also, I mean, while that has its negatives, like not having public spaces for your pets, it also results in not having to have these insane restrictions when it comes to laws and what breeds you have. Yeah. Which I think can be a bit beneficial to a, certain, like, to a certain extent. Yeah. Why ban something that's not a problem? Yeah. I mean, it, sure. I have seen like my German Shepherd, for example, is literally a golden retriever. <laughs> Like That's at good. heart, he behaves like a golden retriever. <laughs> He'll be friends with anyone. That's he amazing. has no garden strings whatsoever. <laughs> he is exactly what I made him to be. That's good. So, That's good. you know, even if you have a pit bull or something that's considered to be scary, your dog's what you make them. Exactly, yeah. It's, uh, it's these breed bands are more arbitrary. Um, unfortunately, these breeds have got a bad rap, usually because humans have been raising them wrong. But if you... So, you know, if you know your dog is uncomfortable or doesn't like other humans or, you know, doesn't like other dogs, for example. So just make sure they're on lead. Um, if they fit in a crate in your train compartment, then take a crate along. Um, you can muzzle them at like meal times in the train, for example. So there's many, many ways to still travel with your pet and you just got to be you know, aware and responsible about it. Okay, so I think that's a great place to conclude this episode. Thank you so much for coming on and telling us so much about something that we really have no way to properly figure out. So having it all, you know, having road, rail and air all in one space is a really helpful resource for our listeners. Thank you so much for having me on. We'll be back next week. Meanwhile, send us your feedback on Twitter using the hashtag Petonomics. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and make sure that you subscribe to our show. I hope you enjoyed.